So it's stories like uh, Stacy's story. That's, that's really why we're doing uh, what we're doing. That's what we're trusting God for more of. More people who come to church not knowing Jesus, having all kinds of questions, experiencing the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit as the word of God is, uh, is being preached. And then, uh, and then trusting Christ and then using God-given abilities for his glory. I mean, just about everyone here can think of a time where they've been ministered to so profoundly as Stacy's led us uh, in worship. But, but her, her first time at a worship service here at Harvest was as someone who didn't yet know Christ. And so that is what we're doing. We want to see lost people saved and then saved people uh, matured and then those matured people uh, multiply. That's what we're trusting God uh, for more of. On your way in today, you probably got a, a bookmark like this. Can everyone get, get out your bookmark? This is something to put in your Bible to remind you uh, to pray for us during this season where we're at as a, uh, as a church during this series and during this capital campaign. I'm going to read our verse. I want to invite you to Read it with, uh, with me, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. We're going to say it together. I want you to say it like you mean it, okay? Say it like you mean it. Here we go. Now to him who is able, hold on, like you mean it, I said, all right? Say it like you mean it. Let's go. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So we are trusting God for more. We look back on all that he has done and we stand in awe and we thank him. And then we look forward to the future and we trust him to do even more. And so right now in this season we are trusting God to raise $3 million over the next three Years and we're doing that for the purpose. We don't want to be mastered by our mortgage. We want to be we want to be maximizing a ministry here at Harvest. So that involves a strengthening our existing ministries, taking what's already here and making them stronger, starting new ministries, and then sending more missionaries so that more people in more places, more people like Stacy, can hear the gospel and receive the gospel and believe it. Now. That's where we are as a church. We started with trusting God for more faith, and then last week we looked at trusting God for more love. And really, if we're going to love God and love our neighbor, we have to understand what it means first for God to love us, which leads to this next part, trusting God for more humility. Luke chapter 14 is where we're going to be looking today. Open up your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers are coming up and down the aisle with copies of the Bible. These are free Bibles. These are gifts to you. If you don't own your own copy of God's Word, just raise your hand and they'd love to pass one on to you. Luke chapter 14, verses 7 to 11. You know, my family's really into watching this show called Wipeout at Home. Have you ever seen this show before where you, people go through this, uh, this crazy obstacle course? I remember watching this. I think it was in university. We used to watch the Japanese version of this. And, 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 and now it's sort of uh, uh, immigrated here to, uh, to, uh, to North America. And I know there's a British one uh, as well. And the, the, there, there's this part of the Wipeout show where there's the large red spheres. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? And... and, and when we watch this together as a family, you know, it's funny because, like, you watch contestant after contestant and the same thing always happens, right? 
But every time a New Contestment tries to go over, you think, well, maybe, maybe this time this person will make it. And then never. Uh, they, there's all, they always end up having some catastrophic crash into the, into the water or into the mud. It, it just, it's just, it's inevitable, isn't it? There, it's just, it's going to happen. We can't assume, oh, it will be different for this person. It always, always happens. You know, the Bible says the same thing about a particular kind of a fall, a particular kind of a crash. The Bible says repeatedly that pride goes before a fall. And we might think, well, it's different for me or it's different for that person or this is, no, every single time. It doesn't change. It is without fail. That pride goes before a fall. So that as we're, when we're at this unique season as a, as a church, when we're trying to trust God for more and trying to place our faith in Him and trying to express our love for Him and our love for our neighbor, we need to make sure that as, also as we're thinking about giving generously and sacrificially and proportionally out of what God has entrusted to us, we need to be so careful if we are going to experience any element of success in this season as a church, we need to be so careful that we are weeding out pride in our lives. Because if there is pride, it's destined to fail. It just always happens. Pride goes before a fall. And Jesus made that abundantly clear in Luke chapter 14, verses 7 to 11. It says this, Now he told a parable to those who were invited. When he noticed how they chose places of honor, saying to them, When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him, then he who invited you will come and say to you, give your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For everyone ex who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, this is your word. These are words spoken by your Son, recorded by Luke under the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. And I pray right now, God, that we would receive what you are saying to us, God. That we would open our ears and open our hearts, God. Lord, we all struggle in the area of pride or or arrogance or thinking too highly of ourselves or just too much about ourselves. And so, Lord, I, I pray that you would do a work in us to set us free and to set us on the secure path of humility. Because when we're on that path, we will never fall. And God, help us to steer clear of the pathway of pride, which always leads to a wipeout. So God, help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Verse 7 says that Jesus told this parable to those who were invited. Jesus was at a, he was at a dinner party at the time. And uh, it was sort of a unique dinner par party uh, because uh, the whole thing was really just a setup. It was a sting operation. They were trying to trap Jesus. A dinner was being served on a Sabbath. And they brought someone to the meal... 
in order to try to trap Jesus. They brought someone who had a dropsy, or we would call it today edema. The, the fluid in, their, uh, in this person's body was, was, was gathering in certain cavities in certain areas. And, and so there was this massive uh, disproportionate swelling in different places of this person's body. And they wanted to see if Jesus would break the Sabbath by healing this man. And Jesus goes ahead and he, he heals him and he, he, he tells them, if your son or your ox fell into a ditch or into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you go and rescue them? And so their plan failed, <laughs> but then there was sort of a double fail to the plan because because here's why. Jesus stayed for dinner. They didn't really want him there. The, the, the whole point was to just to get him to do something on the Sabbath. And then that kind of failed. But then Jesus just, oh, you invited me for dinner. Like, let's eat. And so it was a little bit awkward. And then as they're taking their, their places, Jesus is watching. You know, he's always observing. He doesn't miss anything. It says he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor. Now you know at a, at a wedding banquet or a big family a function or a fundraiser or something like that, you know that there are certain places, there are places of honor. There's a special table a setting, there's a, there's a head table, it's, it's a prominent place and and we're all checking you know the place cards and the little chart on your way into the wedding reception to figure out where we're sitting but certain people they know exactly where they're sitting because they are in the places of honor they don't need a chart to tell them where they're supposed to be they're in the they're in the places of honor now in 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 Jesus day uh, they didn't eat, you know, like this at tables with knives, forks, and uh, spoons. It was pro probably, so if you ever gone out for Ethiopian food, that's probably the closest, um, in, 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 as far as an experience goes, to how people ate in Jesus' day. There was, a, there was a table that was just barely elevated up off the floor. And then they sat on couches, which were not like, they're called couches, but they're not couches like today. It was basically just like a flat cushion on the ground and they ate on the ground. That's why in the Bible it says that they reclined at table. This is what reclining at table means. You leaned on this elbow and you reached into the middle like this. Now the, 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 the host would, would position himself at one particular place at the table and then people would fan out from the host, kind of creating the letter U around the, around the host. And the host was right in the bottom of that U. And the closer you were to the host, the more honorable place that you had. So keep this in mind. As Jesus is watching these people take their place at table, they're not, you know, getting in chairs and trying to sit down. They're like moving around on the floor trying to find their, their position. Where's the host going to sit? I want to make sure that I am at the seat of honor. And then he tells them this parable. He says, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor. Lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him, and he who invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. 
This is one of the most practical of all Jesus' parables. The lesson is so clear. It's something that we can apply every day of our lives. Our outline today is really simple. There's two parts to the parable. One is a warning and then the other is Jesus' recommendation. And so here's the, here's the warning that Jesus wants to make clear to us, that pride leads to humiliation. Pride leads to humiliation. It says that this person will, will with shame have to leave the highest place and go to the lowest place. There's multiple layers of awkwardness in this story. Not only is it awkward for you, but the host has to get up from where he is, and maybe you're two or three down from him. He has to get up, and then you're, again, you're lying down on the ground, and it has to kind of whisper to you, excuse me, Uncle Joseph's here. You got it, you got it. And so, so then it's awkward for Uncle Joseph because you're in his spot. So it's awkward for the host. It's, all, it's awkward for Uncle Joe. Let's just call him that for short. And then, and then it's awkward for you because you don't just get to shuffle down one more. All of the other places are taken. And so you're just kind of like duck, duck, goose, like all the way along. And you, you are now in the absolute lowest place. Loved ones, Jesus describes this as inevitable, that if we try to put ourselves in the place of honor, we will find ourselves in the lowest place. He is warning to us, he's warning us about pride, about having a, an excessively high opinion of ourselves. When we walk in pride, we invite humiliation into our lives. Humiliation comes to those who refuse to practice humility. Pride leads to humiliation. And, and the great thing about this story is that it applies to every part of our lives, not just where we should sit at a table. A John Stott so wisely says that at every stage of our Christian development, in every sphere of our Christian discipleship, Pride is our greatest enemy. Pride is our greatest enemy because it's pride that allows us, that prevents us from seeing things clearly. Proverbs 16, 18 says, says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. To be haughty means to look down your nose at someone. It means to think that you're better than other people. When we begin to think that way in our marriages, when we begin to think that way in our friendships, when we begin to think that way at work and at church, then comes destruction. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, listen, I'm, I'm just not a, very, I'm not, a, I'm not a very proud person. I haven't experienced a lot of success in my life. I'm not very prestigious. I don't hold a prominent uh, position. And so I'm kind of, by default, in uh, the lowest place. Well, you need to understand that pride is so deceptive. Pride comes in multiple forms. There's multiple manifestations of pride. One is so obvious, right? And no one likes this person. No one likes pride in the form of self-promotion. We, we know that person. They're just walking around, passing out resumes. Have you seen that my trophy room? They're, they're just always, always promoting themselves. And that's such an obvious form of pride. But that's just base level. That's pride 101. 
But there's, there's an, an advanced master's class in pride that's not self-promotion, it's self-pity. Self-promotion says, I deserve more attention because I have more ability and more gift and more charisma and more money and more this and more that. But self-pity says, I deserve more attention because I, my story is more sad and I have more difficulty and I face more adversity and I have more struggles and I have more problems. Do you notice that both are saying the same thing? I have more. I have more. Self-promotion. I have more. Self-pity. It's all about self. It's all about I compared to other people. People should rearrange their lives around me because I... I have more ability. People should uh, rearrange their lives around me because I have faced more adversity. I've had more struggles, but I've had more success. The focus is still the same. The focus is on self. That compared to other people, I've got more. The thing that I'm going to is more important than everyone else on the 401, so I'm creeping up the shoulder while everyone else is moving. Self-pity can motivate you to creep along the shoulder. Self-promotion can cause you to creep along. It doesn't matter. Just choose your poison. Both are pride. And so we need to be really careful in, in allowing us to understand what pride actually is. It's an obsession. It's a focus on self. It's thinking about ourselves before thinking about others. It's thinking about what we deserve rather than what we can give. And this pride leads to humiliation. This says that this person with shame goes to take the lowest place at the end of verse 9. With shame. You know, the way of pride, it's, it's a lot like sort of a carnival dunk tank. Everyone's looking at you. You're seated high above everyone. The attention is on you. Isn't this great? And then, ding, splash. Pride, it's, it's, just, it's just a dunk tank. It, it's just inevitable. Humiliation always comes to those who refuse to embrace humility in their lives. And that's what Jesus simply warns in this very practical, down-to-earth parable. Don't put yourself in the place of honor, whether you're motivated by self-promotion or by self-pity. Pride leads to humiliation. Then here's the second half of the parable. Humility leads to exaltation. Humility leads to exaltation. Verse 10, here's uh, here's the alternative. Jesus says, but... When you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. Jesus tells us to go to the lowest place. The, 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 the counterintuitive strategy, Jesus says, the way to actually experience exaltation is not to put yourself in the highest place, but to put yourself in the lowest place. John Bunyan says that he who is down needs fear no fall. That as Christians we are are advised, this is wise counsel that Jesus gives us, to keep a low center of gravity. 
when we, when we get puffed up with pride and thinking that we're something and thinking that we're more uh, important than other people or that our problems are bigger than other people's prob- or problems, then we, we become highly unstable and tipsy. And it's only a matter of time before we fall, but we ought to keep a low center of gravity to stay low. And we stay low by going to the lowest place. I remember when I used to travel a lot with my friends. Uh, you know, the, the driver had their keys. And everyone would say, okay, let's go. And then, and then someone would yell, shotgun. Do you remember that? And uh, we used to have a whole bunch of rules. There was sort of a code of conduct as it relates to shotgun. No one may call shotgun while still inside the four walls of a building. You can't call shotgun unless the entire group is within visibility of the actual vehicle. And so there's a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of rules. But, and listen, if, if, to, to modernize people, the idea is it, Jesus would say, don't call shotgun, always call backseat middle. I don't think anyone has ever in the history of motor transportation called backseat middle. I mean, did they ever really consider that a person was going to one day sit in that seat? I mean, you've got, I think that's the torsion bar going through the middle. So you, first of all, you have way less leg room. And if you try to spread your legs out, then you're touching the legs of another human being, which is just never a good idea. And then, and then when I was a kid, I mean, they didn't care about the backseat middle person at all. There was, there was no strap going this way like everybody else. And did you ever notice, too, that your strap was adjustable for some reason? I mean, you could put it over your head if you wanted. There was no concern for the person in the back in the backseat middle. I mean, if you got an accident, you're the first one flying through the windshield. You just pass right by everybody. But Jesus is saying, take backseat middle. A couple of weeks ago, there were some uh, visitors from, uh, some ministry leaders from another ministry down in the States, and they were just coming just very humbly, wanting to learn about what God is doing here uh, in uh, Canada, and uh, particularly in the greater Toronto area, and they were just so encouraged by the, by the diversity that they saw here, and the growth that was happening, and, and uh, we uh, went out for lunch with them, and um, I ended up driving, and uh, one, of the, one, of the, one of the people, one of the leaders, he ended up sitting in the third row of our Mazda 5. And uh, I, I told him as he was getting in there, you know, like, hey, our car's relatively clean, but it's kid clean. We got four kids. I haven't been back there in six months. I have no idea what's back there. And so, you know, he just carried on this conversation, and Hamel was in the car as well. And, and, and so I just thought, well, I got his name, I got his business card. He's from a ministry called Life Shape. And so maybe I'll just Google him. I'll just try to, who is this guy? Turns out his father-in-law started one of the most successful fast food chains in all of North America. Sitting in my back seat was an heir to billions of dollars, no doubt. Sitting in my back seat. And it, he chose the low, and listen, no one said, hey, come up here. You see, that's the danger of, with, with, with oversimplifying how humility works. You can't use humility as a means to an end. Okay, the guest of honor's here. I'm going to sit here, and I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait for, 
Come up, friend. Come up, friend. No, that's not how it works. Humility is not just something that you do to get what you, because that's really just another form of pride. That's false humility. But to truly just be thankful that you're in a car at all, that's humility. Front seat, back seat, fifth row of a, of a, of a sorry, third row of a, of a master five. That's where humility truly comes from. Loved ones, it's a prerequisite for ministry. When Isaiah saw the holiness of God, what did he say? He says, woe is me. I am ruined. He was in a place of humility. And that is when he was ready then to say, here I am, send me. After Peter saw Jesus catch the, all of that fish and the boats are sinking and they barely make it back to shore, Peter says, depart from me for I am a sinful man. That's humility. And Jesus says, from now on, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. That's when Peter was right on it. Listen, when, when Peter fell off, Peter's crash came. What did he say? The night, the very night that he denied Jesus three times, Peter said, even if they all fall away, I will never fall away. Pride. I'm special. I'm different from all of them. And that's when Peter's crash came. The inevitable wipeout that comes when we give in to pride. So Jesus tells us this simple story to help us remember. Really what he's doing is he's just retelling the wisdom of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 25, uh, verse 6 and 7. Can't be plagiarism because Jesus is the word of God. But he says this, do not, this is the book of Proverbs, written hundreds of years earlier than Christ. Do not put yourself forward in, in the king's presence or stand in the place of the great. For it is better to be told, come up here, than to be put lower in the presence of a noble. God's word tells us this time and time again. Proverbs 29, 23 says, One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. James chapter 4, verse 6, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6 says the same thing. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, get under, get low, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Robbie Simons always talks about, I don't know where he uh, learned this from, but that when you think about physics and when you think about water and when you think about you know, uh, drainage and, and water always finds the lowest place. Always. And so if you, if you picture water as being God's blessing, God's refreshment, that if we want to experience the most of who God is and what he wants to, us to do in our lives, we need to get as low as we possibly can because that is where water flows. And the Bible tells us time and time again, that's where God's blessing flows. Then Jesus in verse 11 says, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And you see, I think this is really interesting. So many times, Jesus told parables and just let it hang. And there are still some parables today where it's really difficult to interpret and figure out, what is he saying? Other parables, he sort of let it hang out there among the crowds, but then he took the disciples aside privately and said, this is what I mean. But in this parable, he just lays it out. He says, 
I really want to make sure you get this concept. And so he tells the story, and then in verse 11, here's what the story means. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Notice, notice how all-inclusive the language is. Everyone. This is a universal principle. This doesn't just apply to certain people in certain situations. It, it involves everyone. Now some of you this whole time, if you've been hearing this message, about psh, listening to this message, a message on humility coming from a guy with lights on him talking to hundreds of people, what does he know about humility? Well, if that's what's going on in your mind, then you need this message just as much as I need this message. Because if we simply think that humility comes pre, that humility comes baked in, pre-packaged with certain professions or certain positions, and that pride comes with certain professions or certain positions, then we've got it all wrong. Humility isn't just as simple as find a broom and start sweeping. You can sweep and be filled with pride. You can preach and be filled with pride, but you can also sweep with humility. You can preach with humility. There's, there's no level, there's no place where you need to find yourself on an organizational chart or any amount of success that says that, that pride is now a problem for you or that you're a more humble person. No, pride is so insidious, it's so evil, it's so subtle, it's so deceptive it seeps into our lives at every single level. Sometimes the most humble thing for a leader to do is to lead. And so we, we can't assume that because a person is in a certain position or achieved a certain amount of success that, that somehow humility is not attainable for them. Heirs to billionaire fortunes can still sit in the back seats of Mazda 5s. And so it's not just as simple as your position. There's something far deeper. And you need, you need to hear and understand this. That the answer to dealing with our pride is not simply to focus on humility. Jesus says that, that those who do exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. But the question is, how do you actually humble yourself? How do you get to that point of humility? What holds us back from experiencing what Jesus is talking about here? Anglican minister J.C. Ryle describes or asks himself this question. He says, what is the root and spring of humility? If humility is so important... Where does it actually come from? We're not just talking about surface level humility. What is the root and spring of humility? One word describes it. The root of humility is knowledge. Right knowledge. The man who really knows himself and his own heart. Who knows God and his infinite majesty and holiness. Who knows Christ and the price at which he was redeemed, that man will never be a proud man. He goes on to say, ignorance, nothing but sheer ignorance. Ignorance of self, ignorance of God, of Christ, that is the real secret of pride. 
from that miserable self-ignorance, may we daily pray to be delivered. He is the wise man who knows himself, and he who knows himself will find nothing within him to make him proud. Loved ones, the answer to dealing with pride is not to simply focus on humility. The only way to deal with pride is to focus on Jesus Christ. Because it's only in Jesus Christ that we can have that proper knowledge, that knowledge of God, that knowledge of who he is, that knowledge of ourselves. And so Jesus is our ultimate example of humility. Turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter uh, 2. Let's hear those pages turning. Philippians uh, chapter 2. Philippians 2, verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. That's pride. Don't do anything. Don't let pride be your motivator. Don't seek the highest place. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only into his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Verse 8, and being found in human form, he humbled himself. Underline that word humbled. By becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. Underline that word, exalted. And bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, Jesus is not merely just giving us advice about a dinner party. This idea of Those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted, loved ones. This is the essence of the gospel. Jesus wanted us to understand this principle, not just to rescue us from embarrassment, but to rescue us from condemnation. Because unless we recognize Christ's example as humbling himself and as a result being exalted, we will never enter into the kingdom of God. Until we understand, why did Christ come? Why did he need to become obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross? Why did he humble himself? He humbled himself because we refused to. He suffered and died on the cross for our sins. And the root of those sins are pride. Christ is on the cross because of our lack of humility. He was lifted up on the cross because we try to lift ourselves up into places of honor. He humbled himself because we refused to. And Jesus, after humbling himself, the principle applies most clearly to him. He humbled himself, and as a result, he was exalted. That's what he said in in Luke 14, verse 11. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and everyone who humbles themselves will be exalted exalted. And he is the greatest example of that. And so loved ones, if we're going to avoid having a massive wipeout, it's not just a matter of trying to avoid pride. It's not even just as simple as trying to be more humble. We have to have our eyes on Jesus Christ. 
Because we don't get to heaven just because we're humble. We get to heaven because Christ was humble. And the way that we receive the gospel is, is the same as this exaltation and humility principle that Jesus lays out in this parable. Hell is filled with people who think they deserve to be in heaven. With people who think that they deserve the place of honor. And they've been taken to the lowest place. Heaven is filled with people who know they don't belong there. Who in humility have put themselves in the lowest place before the cross as an unworthy sinner and have heard, just as it says in the parable of the banquet, friend, come up here. Loved ones, this is the essence. This is why humility is so important. It's because it's, it's, it's what the Christian life is all about, knowing who we truly are and knowing who Christ is and then living that out every day of our lives. And so what, what humility might look like, listen, we're not going to pass out 600 brooms at the end of the service. That's too simple. We need to humbly come before God and say, reveal to me areas in which I am being proud. Protect me from future wipeouts, from, from future falls, from future destruction. And help me to walk in humility. And that is going to look different for each and every one of us, depending on the age and stage of life where we might find ourselves at. Sometimes we can hide behind humility rather than actually following through on what God is truly calling us to do. Sometimes we can hide behind some sort of call of God just to reinforce underlying insidious pride. It's never just as simple as, well, I'm doing this or I'm doing that. It's humbly coming before God and saying, what do you want me to do? And so let's spend a couple of moments now just closing our time in prayer, coming before the Lord, asking Him in our unique and specific situation, what do we need to do at this moment to humble ourselves? And so Heavenly Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. And God, we know that you love us and that you want to protect us from the, from the catastrophe, from the crashes, from the stumbling, from the destruction that comes from pride. Lord, maybe there's, maybe there's unconfessed sin in our lives that we're not bringing forward to those who love us because of our pride, because we want people to see us in a higher more exalted place than where we truly are. God, maybe we have, been, we have been pursuing something not for your glory and for the good of others, but for our own selfish pride. God, maybe we've been wallowing in self-pity that's really just a manifestation of a pride. Lord, I pray that you would help us to walk in humility 
that you would help us to love you, to be led by you, to trust in this principle that you lay out so clearly. That proud people end up being humiliated and that humble people end up being exalted. God, help us to get our eyes off ourselves, our eyes off of pride, even our eyes off of humility and get our eyes fixed on you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.